So here's the deal. We are continuing. This is the last night, actually, of our series. We're calling Fake News. You guys know what fake news is, right? News that's not real. And so, um, so here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm just going to take a moment tonight, and I'm going to flip it back a little bit and talk about being real. Talk about being real. How many of you guys like money? Let's be real. Who likes money? Yeah. I think we all do. Um, well, I heard this story a while back. And I want you to listen, listen. I heard this story a while back about, about these people who are hired government officials. Who what, Here's their job. Here's what they do. They go around and they look at money all day long. Dollar bills, $20 bills, $50 bills, all that stuff. They look at money all day long and they find out if it's counterfeit or if it's real. Who would like that job? How many of you guys actually like the smell of money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of smells weird. Um, well, here's the deal. Listen, listen. Shh. Here's the deal. When they train these people to spot fake money, um, here's, they, they look at the, the kind of ink, the way it's dyed, the way the size, they look at the shape of the bills. They, they train these people, listen, they train these people to know exactly what these bills look like. So these people spend all of their time studying these bills, studying 20s, 50s, 100s, 510s. And they study these bills and they look at the bill, they examine it, they write down some notes, they learn the bill front and back. And and what that does, it allows them to spot the fake. They know it almost immediately. And, And here's the phrase that they use. And here's, I want you to write this down. They use this phrase when they're evaluating money. And it goes like this. Touch, tilt, look at, look through. Say it with me. Touch, tilt, look at, look through. Say it again. Touch, tilt, look at, look through. Now I've got this $20 bill in my pocket. (laughs) <laughs> I've got this 20. Does anybody know who's on the front of the $20 bill? Jackson. Andrew, first of all. He's a very handsome fellow. And uh, I've got this $20 bill. And, and here's the deal. They teach them how to examine this bill. They look it all over. They know. I don't know if you guys can see on the back, like around the White House, there's really little small 20s printed all over on the back of that, anybody want a closer look? No, too bad. Um, and then they print different things with, they have uh, different things printed on there that they're raised off of the, 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 the bill a little bit. So you can kind of feel it. You touch it. You examine it. There's a fer- certain feel that an authentic bill has. Let me show you guys this. Oh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. Oh, hang on, hang on. Hang on. You guys ever seen a $2 bill? Okay, whoa, whoa, it gets better. Oh, never mind, that's it. I used to have a million dollar bill. That was totally fake. Because I'm not, if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't, well, I would be here. But um, but here's the deal. They, they take a 20, they look at it, they tilt it. They look at it, look, they hold it up and look through it. Because it, you can, if it's held up to the light, you can see through and and... But I don't know if you guys know this, but there are these different kinds of stamps and different kinds of prints all over the bill. You can feel the raised stamp that's on the bill. But also, if you tilt it, 
you can see different things and look at it in different ways. And, and it depends on like how you hold the bill and how you're holding it to the light and different ways that you look at it. Um, and most bills have this hologram on it. It's there, I promise. And they have this hologram on it. And, and here's the deal. Like they would, they would know that a fraud, a fraud bill probably doesn't have that hologram on it. Like, or, or maybe the color is off a little bit. Or maybe the pictures are off a little bit. Or there's something different about it. Um, how many of you guys, like you, you go through the checkout line and like the cashier will take your bill and look at it up in the air. Or they'll mark on it with a pin to make sure like if it'll change color, if, if it's fake and all that kind of stuff. But what they'll do, what these people do is they, they touch it to see if it's good. They tilt, look at, look through. These people are great. At figuring out what bills are real and what bills are fake. I want to get through this kind of, kind of quick tonight um, because we don't have a lot of time. But I just want to challenge us to look at our lives and evaluate our lives. And, and just to think, what does a real Christian look like? What does a real Christian look like? See, the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about fake news and about fake things that, that we believe in our lives or fake things that the enemy tries to tell us in our lives or, or the words that we say to ourselves. And, and somehow we, be, we begin to believe this fake news these, news, these things that we believe about ourselves, we believe these things that people say about us. And even though it may not be true, a lot of times we'll start to believe these, this fake news. And so uh, I, I want to challenge you guys, and I want to encourage you to live a life that's all out for Jesus. Like, if I'm the real deal tonight, what does a real Christian look like? What does a real Christian look like? So what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to give you five real quick things that we're going to run through. And if, if you're a Christian, these things should be you. So how many? Five. So give someone a high five next to you. So before we get started, let me challenge you with this. A lot of times when we hear when we hear messages, listen, a lot of times when we hear messages like this preach, what we'll do is we'll look across the room and be like, oh, yeah, that person needs to hear this message. Or we'll look at somebody else and be like, oh, this is totally for them. But here's what I want to challenge you to do tonight. Listen, here's what I want to challenge not only tonight, but anytime you hear a, a pastor preach is I want you to first examine your life and to see if does this line up in my life? Before you start pointing the fingers to other people. See, judge yourself first. So tonight, I want to encourage you to be the real deal. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be super Christians. But there are some things that real Christians have. And I want you guys to be the real deal. So if people were to touch your life, tilt your life, look at your life, look through your life, would they see a real Christian? Would they see a real follower of Jesus? And so tonight... Um, we're going to give you some areas where you can begin to work on this. So take notes, write some things down, and, and because Jesus loves people who take notes. Not really, not true, but you should. So here we go. Number one, you need got to know this. Real Christians are not perfect. I know. Blows your mind, right? But you got to know this. Real, Christian, real Christians are not perfect. Everybody go like, whew. Right? Yeah. Tell, tell the person, look at the person next to you and say, that's good news for you. Uh-huh. But real Christians are not perfect. And this is, listen, listen, this is important for you guys to know. This is really important for you to know this. If you've ever been hurt 
by someone who calls themselves a Christian. The good news is that you don't have to be perfect to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian. See, if, if you read your Bible, it does, it does a really good job. If you know the word, it does a really good job. And it, it talks about, and it's full of incredible men and women who did incredible things for God. But also the Bible does this. It does a really great job of just talking about and displaying the imperfections of every single one of these people as well. And so, so sometimes we, we hold these biblical figures up to this high standard. But if you were to really look deep, you'd know that they're flawed as well. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian other than Jesus. <clears throat> so any, any biblical hero that you've been named after, like maybe your middle name is a biblical name. Like anyone in here, you, you have a biblical name? Yeah. How do you know? It's, it's, it's a name in the Bible that you might have too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> but here's the deal. You can start in the Old Testament and go all the way through the New Testament. And every single one of these people have imperfections. Listen, every single one. So if you're not perfect, you're in great company. If you're not perfect tonight, you are in great company. Um, the only kind of people that God uses, listen, the only kind of people that God uses to make a huge impact on this world are imperfect people. So there's hope for you. There's hope for me. Somebody say amen. So that's good news for us because God only uses broken people. He only uses broken people. He only uses people who don't have it all together. He only uses people who have issues. He only uses people who have problems. And that, it's a great, great thing. That's great news for us. And he only uses imperfect people. And the reason for that is, is that he wants to make it very clear. God wants to make it very clear that there's only one perfect person who's ever lived on this earth. That way no one else gets credit. No one else gets the glory except for Jesus Christ. See, God wants you to know tonight that it's, it's okay if you're not perfect. But let me say this, and you've got to know this. I want every single one of you to hear this. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be imperfect. But it's not okay to stay that way. You can, be, you can still be a real Christian with all your imperfections, with all your faults, with all your mess-ups, with all mistakes. And, and here, know this tonight. I'm not trying to shame anyone or guilt anyone tonight. I'm not trying to guilt trip you. But you, you got to know something. You, the next point is really important because... Even though the Bible makes it clear that you don't have to be perfect, the Bible also makes it clear that those who are not fake know the one who's perfect. Point number two, real Christians know perfect. Real Christians know perfect. What, what I mean by this is that they know Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect thing that's been See, if you're a real Christian in this room, I want you to think about that moment where you said yes to Jesus. That moment where you accepted him into your life. The moment where you said yes to him. And, and it was probably most likely in, in light of your sinfulness. Like I remember where I was when it happened to me. When I accepted Christ and I allowed God to change my life, I was sitting on a curb outside of my house and my best friend who had just overdosed on cocaine two weeks before 
was sitting on my curb outside of my house with me and said, I want to be a Christian. Will you be one with me? Tears in my eyes. Him and I sat there and prayed and (laughs) cried like babies and prayed together. And I accepted Christ in my life. I knew how broken, how imperfect, how much of a sinner I was. I knew I, I was imperfect, but I knew that Jesus Christ came to save and he came and he lived a perfect life for imperfect people just like you and me. I want raise your hand tonight if you're imperfect. Yeah, that's all of us. That's good news because I want you to understand one thing. I want you to understand something. Unless you know who, who Jesus is and why he came, you'll remain that way. The second truth tonight is you have to understand who the perfect one is. Um, let me just kind of pause for a moment because I, I need to point this out. If you're a real Christian, you know who the perfect one is. That means that when you do something good as a Christian, who does the glory go to? Jesus. It goes to God, Jesus. You'll see people at these award shows and these people at these different kinds of things on TVs. Who On TVs. You might watch multiple TVs, but I watch one. But TV, like wherever you watch, and they'll, they'll be up and they'll accept this award and, and they'll, they'll stand. One of the first things they'll say, I'd like to thank God for this and all this stuff. Now, here's the deal. The world may think that's fake. Because here's the deal. You're thanking God. But you're singing about drugs. You're singing about doing things with women or men, like whatever. You're singing about money. You're bragging about a certain lifestyle that doesn't have anything to do with the Lord. And then they get up and give credit to the Lord for it. Maybe, maybe an athlete scores a touchdown or, or drains a three or, or hits a home run and they'll point to heaven giving thanks to the Lord. But here's my point. Here's what I want you to know tonight. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Christians know that when they do something good, they're doing it for the glory of the Lord. Christians also know this. I want you to know this is very important tonight. Christians also know that when they make a mistake, that in that moment, you've got to give glory to the Lord. Let me explain well, how do we give glory to the Lord when we make a mistake? Well, think about it. The, the way you do this is you confess and you ask forgiveness. You confess. You're saying, God, you're, you're the best. I, I did this and, I, and I'm sorry and I want to give this to you. You confess to him what you did and you say, would you forgive me, God? And here's the deal. In our lives, in a, the life of a follower of Jesus... That's an ongoing process. That's always going on. That's that's never stops. That's the way we continue to give God glory. We don't act like we didn't make the mistake. We don't ignore the mistake. Like, let me give you an example. Maybe you go home tonight from Emerge. And your mom says, well, hey, honey, before you go to bed, you need to take out the trash. You need to walk the dog. And here's what I got you. You need to take your brother to the store in the morning. And you're like, then you start arguing with your mom and you say something real mean. You say something real harsh and you're like, oh, I hate you, mom. Like, you don't love me. Like, I I wish you weren't my mom, mom. Like, and we say some stupid things sometimes. Like, has anyone in this room ever said some stupid things to your parents? Yeah, I think we all have. 
I, I, I used to say some stupid things like, um, who in this room has ever told your parents you're going to run away? Yeah. Be honest. It's all right. I'm going to run away. You made me so mad. I can't play my PlayStation, mom. But here's the deal. Listen, listen, you had, listen, you had your bags packed. Like who, who, who has gone as far as to pack a bag? Yeah. You had your back. Like we say and do some stupid stuff. Here's the deal. Listen, listen. One time I was going to run away. I was a little kid. I was going to run away. And I told my mom, I was so mad at her. She was making me do something I didn't want to do. I was like, I'm just going to run away then. My mom was like, okay. She grabs me by the arm, takes me into my room, grabs my bag. She said, you're going to need some underwear. You're going to need some socks. You're probably going to need some jeans. And here's a couple shirts. Zips it up, puts it on my back. Takes me to the front door, shoves me out the door, closes the door, and locks the door. And she said, go, run away then. And I was like, (laughs) and I was like, well, I'll show her. And here's the deal. Like, when I grew up, uh, we lived, like, out in the country, like, 10 miles, like, out in the country, no one near us. And I was like, well, I'll show her. And so I take off down the road, and I'm like, (sighs) and I was kept waiting for her to come out the door and, like, come back. That didn't happen. My mom never stepped out the door. And I was like walking away, kept looking back. And it's like, is she going to come and get me? She's going to let me go. I probably got about 50 yards down the driveway. And I was like, (laughs) and like, I ran back to the house crying, ringing the doorbell, knocking like, mom, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'll never do that again. And here's the deal. The way we give glory to God when we sin Even though we're Christians, the way we give glory to God is to confess when you make a mistake. So you you ask forgiveness from God. If you've hurt someone else, you ask forgiveness from them. So you don't just point to Jesus when you score a touchdown. You, You also point to Jesus when you completely fail, but you ask him for forgiveness. The third thing I want you to know is this. Real Christians know Jesus personally. So if you were to go back in your Bible and you were to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like you will see that at times there were these huge crowds that that were around Jesus all the time. One of the things I recognize is that many of these people, they saw Jesus. They were close to Jesus. Some of these people even touched Jesus. But many people didn't know him personally. He was not their personal savior. He was just a cool guy to show up and watch. He did some miracles. That's cool. He did some awesome things. That's cool. But they didn't know him personally. The Bible says that one time there's a story of a guy. The Bible called him the rich young ruler. And he came up and he was like, Jesus, I want to go to heaven. What do I got to do to make it to heaven? And Jesus, he basically said, here's what you got to do. Go sell all your things. Give Give your money to the poor and then follow me. And the Bible says that this young man, he walked away sad because he liked his stuff more than Jesus. He liked his money, his riches. See, what I want to challenge you with this, I know there are a lot of people who know a lot about Jesus. And some of you guys, even in this room, you're in proximity to him. You're close to him. Maybe you come to church. Maybe you're you're even here at Emerge tonight, but you don't know him personally. You need to know him. You know, maybe you know about him, but you don't know him. I want to ask you tonight, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? By knowing him, I'm talking about like talking to him in prayer. 
I'm talking about worshiping, like in, in, during the, the, the singing. I'm talking about uh, knowing His Word, the Bible. I'm talking about following His teachings. Do you know Jesus? The fourth thing is this. Real Christians know Jesus privately. What, what I mean by that is they have a relationship with Jesus even when no one else is looking. They don't just put on a good front when everyone else is looking and like at the singing worship time, like they got their hands raised, they're singing along, they're making the worship face. Like, no, like when, when no one sees, that's the kind of Christian, this person spends time with Jesus when no one's around. This person speaks to Jesus when no one's around. They, they've not been seen... Um, they don't do it publicly, but they give praise to Jesus privately. And, and I'm, I'm talking about your dating life. I'm talking about your friendship life. I'm talking about the things you do behind closed doors when no one's watching. When you're alone with that person, just the two of you alone, just you and those DMs, like you and those Snapchats. Do you know Jesus privately? Do you live for him everywhere? The fifth thing is this, and this is the very last thing. Real Christians know Jesus publicly. See, I've got to be real honest with you. When, when I, I, I want to ask you this, and I want to ask myself this too. Am I, ask ourselves this at times. Am I just doing this so other people see that I'm doing this? Or, or how are my motives? Am I tweeting this because I want other people to see it? Or is it something that's really from my heart? Am I Snapchatting this because I really love Christ or is it something really from my life? Am I saying that because people, I want people to think highly of me? Or am I saying that because it's really who I am? See, let me tell you this, and you've got to know this, and I'm done, and I'm wrapping up right after this. If you would just worry about your private life with Jesus... Focus and concentrate on your private life with Jesus. Your public life will take care of itself. If you would just focus on those private times, knowing Him, knowing His Word, spending time with Him in prayer and, and worshiping and, and just growing close to Him. If you would learn that in your private life, your public life will take care of itself. See, Jesus says this, well, Jesus, he wants us to live publicly for him. Take care of your relationship with Jesus personally, in private, and it can't help but show publicly. The Bible says this, and Jesus, Jesus calls this, or the, the Bible calls this part, it's called the Great Commission. And, and here's the deal, Jesus, he's with his disciples, his followers, he's with these imperfect people. And he says this, it's in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. See, you got to know that this, this is called the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great 
commission. He's, God's challenging us. He's commissioning this. He's saying, you go and do this. It's our mission. He, he's asking us to go and make disciples. He's asking us to go into our schools, maybe go into our homes, going into our public places, into our job places, and living this life of Christ publicly. He's saying, go and make disciples disciples. 